0: Please rise, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. Our reading this morning is from John, chapter 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The word of the Lord.
1: Our Father, we pray, uh, open your word. We ask for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Stand it. And I pray, Father, in a special way for the ministry of the Spirit of God again and the preaching of your word. I ask, Father, that you will take me from here uh, and that it will be your voice, it will be your presence, it will be uh, you directing your words to us this morning. We give you thanks and we commit ourselves to you knowing that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. This morning we pray these things in Jesus, in Jesus' name, Amen. I don't know if you have a Bible, an actual Bible. I know we're getting a little too too comfortable, thinking our days. Uh, but if even if you don't have a Bible, you can see in your printing, you can see uh, that in this printing there are three three parts are are in, under in in parentheses, three parentheses. And I wanna to speak to you from four parentheses from John chapter four. So you got one parenthesis in verse two, you got one parenthesis in verse uh, eight, you, that's a second, a third on, uh, on verse nine, and the fourth is on verse 25. And we did not read that part, but uh, you should know this portion of scripture by heart if you are a person that, uh, that has, has come to church. Uh, for a while. This is a story that, that we all know. It's a famous story of Jesus coming to this well. It's a special, special well, you know, kind of just a special place because it had all these connections with, with grand, grand, great, 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 great grandparents of Jacob. Uh, if you have time uh, on Sunday, you should read the, the uh, verses at a that are tied in with the word Sam- samaria here in John chapter 4 uh, you will you will read for example that this area where Jesus is going to engage this woman uh, is was was sort of it, it came to in in the bible it comes from from uh, dinah this this young girl who was the daughter of Jacob and uh and she was a beautiful uh, girl and Jacob had a wife his her name was Leah, and the men in that area, there was a kind of the prince of that, of that area, that fell in love with Dinah. And he uh, spoke, the Bible says, romantically to her, and actually he, uh, he, they had consensual sex between them, apparently, because of the romantic thing. But the brothers, the brothers of, of Dinah did not think it was a consensual thing. And it had nothing to do with love. In fact, that this guy had actually defiled his sister. So they, one day, when everybody's sleeping, they come in and they kill all the, men, all the men in town. That's the beginning of this dynamic of Samaritans and Jews. And to this, to this situation, Jesus Christ is going to come. uh, Let me just say, throughout church history and at different eras of our, our, our time and in different ways, the church of Jesus Christ has understood the compelling call to missions. It doesn't matter the history of the person. It doesn't matter the animosity or how much we like the person or if the person is an enemy to us. That the call of Jesus Christ has always been uh, felt in the heart of individuals who know God. All the way from Isaiah's call, here I am, send me, to Jonah's call to Nineveh. I mean, the worst people in, in the world, according to in those days, to Jonah. All the way to Paul's vision of the man from Macedonia when he had this, this dream and he, he, he sees this man saying, come to us and help us. All the way to Hudson Taylor changing his, his way of looking and shaving his head and looking like a, like, a, like a person from China. All the way from Livingston here in the United States who sacrificed his life to reach the American Indians... Whom he never let somebody Christ always in the church of Jesus Christ, those who know him ha, feel a sense that I have to share the gospel with somebody. Whether it be like a real, if you will, missions statement where we go cross culturally to another country, or whether we just feel a compelling sense, so I, ha, I have to share the gospel with this person next to me. That those who know Christ and the true knowledge of God is intrinsically connected to the compelling necessity of sharing the gospel of Christ. So, we were singing this morning as I was singing there, um, you know, um, that, that our hearts is called. I mean, now I'm forgetting where it has come, thou fountain of every, every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. And, and we sing, you know, if our heart is sort of cold, draw me again. I want to tell you that if you feel a sense of, uh, of uh, dryness, dryness in your spiritual life, if, you, if you've come, come, come to a place in your Christian uh, trajectory and journey where, where you go to church, you know a lot of things about the Bible, but you feel kind of deadish. You feel kind of uh, going in and come out. That maybe one thing that is missing in your life in order to ignite again a passion that maybe you never felt or you felt once and you no longer have it. You need to engage again in cross-cultural communication of the gospel to somebody that you don't like. In John chapter 4, there's the the story. And what what I like to sort of uh, hone in this this morning is that the Bible says in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through samaria and and, and a- anybody who reads the bible uh, in in the original language will see that 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 necessity that he had to go through samaria uh, samaria that that had to translates a word in the original of the word day, which means it was a, it's a divine necessity, a, a, something that he had to do. And notice in this four uh, parentheses that I mentioned, this thing that Jesus is going to do, talk to this woman, as we know, and we won't get too much into what he actually said with her. We're just going to go around the text itself uh, to remind you the importance, and then ne- when is it necessary that we think about missions and about sharing the gospel with some somebody else? And 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 you see this this four brackets and those those brackets or, or uh, uh, kind of parentheses that help us to uh, understand they actually come from the uh, divine purpose of the Holy Spirit in leading John to write a gospel that is. That it's a gospel written many years after all the other gospels have been written. So John, as you know, John is writing maybe in the year 90, 90-something, 90 95, 98, the, the actual events of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection somewhere in the, in the uh, uh, dialogue with this woman happened at least 50 years ago in year 30. Of 30 to 33, because that's, that's the ministry of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the, the, the apostle John, guided by the Holy Spirit, is going to write another fourth gospel. Like, like if something was missed out, missed out or what happened. And yet we know that the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are historical gospels. And the Gospel of John is more of a theological gospel. It's more of a, an, an interpretive gospel. It's a, it's a gospel that tries to build in, build in correctives, correctives and more precise explanations... About Jesus Christ, correctives does not mean that Matthew, Luke, Mark, and Luke were were wrong. It means that after the people read or heard the life of Jesus Christ within 50-year period, people begin to forget what mission and the power of Jesus Christ is in the life of a believer. Uh, let me let me give you an example of um, of, of how the, the John's Gospel is so pretty. Uh, in John chapter 8, there's the story of the woman caught in adultery, remember? And if you, if you know anything about uh, textual criticism and, th- you know, the text and what goes where, uh, you would know that that, that, uh, that part of John 8, 1 to 11, of Jesus meeting this woman and, and, and caught in adultery, that it's hard to find. In, in other script, in other places, it's not a it's not a common place. It's not a common uh, or, uh, story, and yet it appears in John's gospel in different places of John's gospel. But it's as finally, our Bible, thank God, you know, is finally in John chapter eight, and what I see there is that listen, people, as with time, with time, begin to think. Begin to think more of Jesus as a moral person, and he was, of course. He's God in the flesh. Begin to see more of a morality, and and we need to behave a certain way. We as believers need to behave in a certain way to show the difference, or to behave in a certain way to show that we are equal to the Jews and the best around us. And yet, John chapter eight is a portion of scripture that people just don't know where to put it because because the, the that that portion of scripture talks about Jesus forgiving a woman caught in the in the very act, not somebody that had an affair two two years ago, not somebody that is now kind of confessing to you what she has done. This woman has been caught. Act of adultery and has been brought to Jesus naked before him in front of the world. Oh, what, what we see in John 8, just to uh, give you kind of finalize that, that point, is this that, that even though people struggle with that text, putting it in different places, Spirit has left, has left that text in what it ought to be in God's word because Jesus Christ is such a, his mission his person his work God's presence in this world is in order to heal in order to forgive in order to cleanse not in order to judge and when we come to John chapter chapter 4 we are we are then again Dealing with a woman that is not necessarily um, the best of of friends, she has already uh, taken down five men. She has married this man, and now she's living with a man, just just without getting married. Even though the story is not about that necessarily, that the story in our minds tend to think we tend to think. Remember. That this woman, you know, the, the, the fact that she was married five times and, and Jesus tells her, go and get me a drink. But what we often miss in the text is that Jesus had to go there. And this is, this is what, I, what I've been thinking as, as I looked at this, at, the, at this passage. The first parenthesis in verse 3. It tells me there in verse 3, if you uh, look, look in your Bible, it says that, uh, that uh, Jesus... Uh, was that had heard that the Jews had heard that, G, that, the, that Jesus was baptizing more people than John, and yet the, the, the parenthesis is that Jesus did not baptize the people, the disciples baptized the people. Now, that, that is important because then Jesus is going to come to this lady's life, he's going to come to this Samaritan uh, 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 city. And what it actually it, the Bible is trying to point us to is that even though people are ministering, even though the disciples, the apostles, are doing ministry in a greater uh, way than Jesus, that there is an as listen, there is an aspect of your relationship with God that you cannot allow your pastor to do or somebody else to do for you, a committee to do for you, a missions committee to do for you. There's an aspect of sharing the faith that you must do yourself. And Jesus Christ, even though everybody else is baptizing many people, he says, there's something that I cannot delegate. There's there's something that I'm not just going to give money to. There is something also in my life that I am called. I am. I am taught by God in my heart. I, there is a divine necessity that I to engage with people at the level of this woman, and in the places, in the areas, level of where this woman lived, with the stories that this woman has, and these people have. Well, there's another parenthesis. This parenthesis in verse 8. If you look with me, the Bible says there in verse 8, that for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And it's actually telling us that Jesus, they were tired, and, and he just lays down, and the disciple says, okay, lunchtime, a break, and they... Uh, go to their local McDonald's or Whopper place there in, in Jerusalem. They, they live the Lord uh, on the side. They will bring him uh, the lunch. But they go out and normally, uh, rightly so, nothing wrong with having lunch from 12 to 1. But the, the, the parenthesis is to remind us. That even though there are normal things that you do in raising children, in being a husband or a wife, and in, in taking kids to school, in eating lunch, in having vacations, there is something that you cannot delegate and also you cannot just be comfort about. You cannot just be relaxed about. You need to know that there is a compelling necessity that you be involved in witnessing, in sharing the gospel with somebody like this woman. And even though people do take uh, uh, lunch breaks, and there's nothing wrong with that, that Jesus Christ he has a compelling necessity. He had to go through Samaria. And even though they went to lunch and he could have said, okay, I go to lunch too. That there's, there's, this, there's this reality that he knows, of course. Being God and sovereignly of everything, guiding everything that there is. That the people that God will use are those people that are more in tune with him than their own needs allow. And so, so the Bible reminds me that Jesus had to speak to this woman even when, when he, he does so in spite of normal uh, necessities that you have like eating food. Now there's a, a third uh, parenthesis and in verse 9 the Bible says that when he begins to talk to the, to the woman, in verse 9 parenthesis, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now the woman had just said, Jesus had just asked, uh, uh, would you give me water? And the woman says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, How can you be speaking, talking to me? If you are a a Jew, a man, and I am a woman from Samaria, porque, why? Porque means why. Um, uh, Once in a while, I would switch to the other lane. Uh, So so Jesus is saying, you know, why? Why?" And and John is saying, he's just explaining He's saying, uh, even though, even though, even though Jews have no dealing with Samaritans, even though he, she is a woman, you're a man, even though there are maybe, maybe, uh, you know, questionable uh, uh, criticism that could come to you as a result, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the Bible is reminding us that all, all the time we have sort of waiting for the proper conditions, the right situation, the right person for me to talk with, a person who has grown up in the background that I've grown up, a person that, that reads like I read, a person who makes the same money that I make, that drives the same car that I drive, that has the same cultural values that we have. And God is saying your life, your relationship with God will dry up. When you forget that the, Jesus had to speak to people, that there were so, so many red flags coming on on this situation. Let me let me give you a current one. I think last time I was with you, I spoke from the same passage. Except I kept going over here. I'm just going to park here. But uh, uh, let me remind you uh, an experience that I had when I was pastoring and the, the staff of Wheaton Bible Church, and I was leading the Hispanic. Uh, group that they had uh, in in September 2001, 9, 9/11, we had that terrible attack to the Twin Towers, and soon after that, we we pastors and we Bible received a letter from a mosque that is close enough to the mosque that I used to be. In. It's in West Chicago, like 700 families that go to that mosque. And then, soon after this, uh, uh, you know, September 11th, they sent a letter asking if we could meet together, their, uh, their church and our church, their mosque and, and other people, to talk about something that we both have in common. And the thing that we both have in common, according to them, is the second coming of Christ. <laughs> I, I would have thought about you know, maybe about divorce or you know things like. In the marriage, No, they, they went to a doctrinal point. They say, "Let's let's have a meeting where we talk about." Jesus. All the pastors in our staff said, "I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going." We all felt that it was a setup, and I said, "Set me up." I figured, man, I don't have to get shots. I don't have to get uh, papers. I don't have to fly all the way over there. I, I could just go and speak to, to Muslims about the, the second coming of Christ. I, that, that's great. So, well, anyway, to make this story short. I did go. It was a place like this. It was a little bigger. On this side were all the men and on this side were all the women. My wife and my wife came with me, and when we were coming through the door, there were two doors coming into that gym. It was not their mosque. It was like a YMCA thing. And uh, so we came in, and my wife and I were coming in, and there was an, an usher, I think, uh, in front that said, uh, welcome. But then he went like that to my wife, and he said, you can't come in. And she went, what? And I went like, what? And, and, <laughs> and he says, you got to go through the other door. So she, she had to go walk around the other door, come in and sit in the section of the women. We're talking about 2001, folks, okay. This is, this is like yesterday. And so the women are sitting. They're all covered. The only one not, not covered is my wife. She's sitting out like a, like a thumb. <laughs> Beautiful like always. And then on this side, on this side, it was the worst looks. It was a rough crowd. It was a it was a rough crowd. So I we said, there were three speakers. Speakers one got up. He was a surgeon, and he spoke like, he looked all the verses in Matthew and in some in Isaiah and, and Revelation. And he talked about the coming of Jesus Christ, and, I, and and just quoted the verses and we say Jesus is coming. Quoted the verse and Jesus is coming. And I was like, he's stealing my, he's stealing my I'm saying, so you know, I, I didn't go prepare, I say, uh, prepared because I said there's prepare you got to allow the spirit to just guide you when you're there. That's sort of what I'm doing now. <laughs> so so you're, you're, I'm like, I'm scared. Like I'm listening to this man. Just, just take my sermon away. So, but what I noticed is that, that he just spoke to the man, never looked at the women. And I noticed that because I'm all over the place when I speak. So, so I, I turned to my, the other man that was there and I said, is, is it all right if when I speak I look that way? And he said, uh, he kind of looked at me, dropped his eyes, and then he says, you do what you want. So I kept thinking, well, if I do what I want, I might not make it through, <laughs> through the message. They, they might not hear me properly. They see me preaching this way. and There are women there. That, what's this guy doing, you know? It's, it's, so, so I said, okay, you know, they're already, they're already accustomed to that. I'm just going to speak to the man. I said, that's kind of it. But that. That struggle of saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, it, it was, it was exact, exactly what Jesus was going through with this woman. Said, do you, do you have the courage to speak in, in 2,000 years before? Do you have the courage in their turf, in their turf to speak to a woman? A woman, You being a Jew and a man, there will be a scream of rape right there. Be You will be taken in prison and you will be cast there. And and yet, Jesus, even all this risk, he speaks to this lady. Because sometimes people say, Well, so what happened? Let me just finish that story. Uh, So I got up in my time and I said, Well, the guy finished talking about Jesus' second coming. I said, Well, he took everything. So I said, I think what I want, I want the Lord is guided me uh, to speak with you about. The reason why there is a second coming is because there was a first coming. And then I went ahead and spoke about the first. And I talked about Jesus becoming a God, a trinity, becoming the second person of the trinity, becoming man, the second person of the trinity. Coming to this life, living the life that I'm not able to live, that they're not able, able to live, and dying the death that we all deserve to die. And at the end, when Jesus comes again, you will either confess him as your Lord, or you will meet him as your judge. And I looked at them like, you know, like I was just... And I said, "I better stop right now." Because I pushed the envelope a little too far, and I just went and sat down. And everybody was just—all this part was just looking at me, like they were. Gonna, I felt like I was going to be—I was going to get killed. But, um, but I fe- at the same time I felt like, like this, this uh, sense of, sense of joy that I had, <laughs> if you will, ex- at least from my perspective, expose myself to tell these people. Just with nothing holding that Jesus Christ is the answer to their struggles in life. And they they did not believe it, but uh, we share it. So every time I read John chapter 4, I am reminded that part of the joy that we lack and part of the uh, uh, energy that we begin to lose in our steps, part of our uh, just kind of head people that we tend to be, that the heart needs to be inflamed as well, and there's nothing more precious to inflame the heart. There's no, there's no gasoline better that will get the octane up in your life than remembering that what you know must be communicated even to people who would just might as well kill you if they had the chance. So that's the third bracket. But then the fourth bracket, or well, the parenthesis in verse 25, the Bible says that when Jesus says to this woman, you know, go call your your husband. She says, "I don't have a husband." And then the Lord says, "You you had five husbands, and now the one you're living with is not your husband." That she says, "Oh, I see that you're a prophet." And then comes this dialogue about about uh, the temple, and we worship here, and you worship there. And the Lord says, "You know, a woman of time is coming, and the time now is where the true worshipers of, the worshipers of God will worship Him in spirit and in truth, because such." are the worshipers that God is seeking. And then the woman said, uh, when the, the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And there in that, when, Christ, when the Messiah comes, there's a parenthesis in verse 25, where it says, uh, in verse uh, 25, it says, the, the, in the Messiah, it says, uh, he who is called Christ. He who is called Christ. And John is trying to say, look, there's something about the necessity of Jesus speaking to other people, of going to whatever situation. You know, it doesn't matter what the problems are. It doesn't matter the, 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 the anger, the adversity, the differences in culture. It doesn't matter what it is, that there is only a person who is called Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the only person who could answer all the questions in the world. Now, from those four things... I'd like to make you know, four applications here, if I may. One is this, okay, as I, look, as I look at my political world, as I listen to CNN, and then I go to Fox, then I go to MSNBC. it's like three different worlds. people, It's like three different problems. It's three different culprits. It's three different things. Um, well, uh, without getting political, I want to re- remind you That Jesus comes to Samaria as a Jew when society structures have failed to bring reconciliation between the differing people's backgrounds in a society. That Jesus' goals, listen, Jesus' missions, missions is, is predicated, mission is empowered, mission is emboldened, mission is on fire. When the things that you see on TV is what you see is going on. Because Jesus says to this woman, or, or the woman says, or the, the, the parenthesis says, Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. There was no relationship between these two, uh, uh, those two people. The Samaritans live in in the middle, if you will, of the north and the south of what was Jerusalem or, or uh, Israel in those days. They were uh, pop, uh, an area populated by half-breeds known as Samaritans, with a long history of animosity, and they live. Listen, they live segregated. From the Jews. In fact, that to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, as you all know from Sunday school, you would not go through Samaria, you would go around Samaria so you could go to Galilee. And there's there's a a divine necessity that Jesus had to go through Samaria because Jesus did not come to be like a Jew, like a clean person necessarily. He came to save people who cannot reconcile with the structures of a culture that exists in our surrounding. We cannot reconcile the Samaritans and the Jews, the black and the white. We cannot reconcile the Hispanic with anybody else. In other words, that is when we need the church, that's when we need to be sharing the gospel. And look at the second thing when gender, when I look around, I hear uh, issues of gender relationship um, you know, the bathrooms uh, issues. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm for it, but I'm that, that the language, the, the spirit in which we live. The society in which we live um, will will try to trick you, trick you, a church and, and Christian, to get sidetracked with the gender thing. And the boys and the girls and the men and the women. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that to a sense, but jesus christ came in spite of what the woman felt that he was a man and she was a samaritan and he was a jew in spite of what people would feel or think about the gender dynamic between that conversation that jesus came to share the gospel with those people so if you have around your job somebody that is not that is not gender proper like you are uh, that you are still bound by Jesus' example to come to that person and instead of seeing those things as barriers, to see those things as opportunities, challenges uh, uh, to go out and go through that, that, that sense of, of uncomfortableness and you are still, still share the gospel with that person. It was not proper for men to speak with women. Uh, What is improper in our gender relationship when gender relationships have failed to bring, to breach the the differences between male and female? And and we would say we have messed it up more now that Jesus, the point of Jesus, is that Jesus will come and will speak about who he is in that dynamic, in that relationship. Look at the third thing. When personal choices have failed to fulfill personal dreams. So uh, notice what I'm trying to do, in case you, you don't know. But Jesus is coming to Samaria. The Bible says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he had to go. The Greek word used, to remind you where my message has been, the Greek word used is days, that word of, 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 of a divine compulsion. Jesus did not have a choice whether to go or not. He wasn't, missions It's not about what you like and who are the people that you want to reach. Missions is about what needs to be done, not what I like to be done. And Jesus reminds us that not only where there's gender relationships that are broken, he comes to that woman and that where society structures about Jews and Samaritans living segregated and, and, and pushed into a ghetto, the Lord is saying, I still will go into that place because society has, has not bridged that gap. But thirdly, when personal choices have, fa- have failed to fulfill personal dreams. And we know the story. This woman then, she had, you know, when the Lord says, go and call your husband. Well, she says, well, I don't have a husband. And the Lord then brings out, like a prophet, brings out her whole story. He says, you've been married five times. If you would think, who would want to be married five times? Maybe once. And maybe maybe twice. But if, if something happens in the first one, something happens. And, unless she's killing all the husbands. If she's, she's murdering the people, then you keep getting rich, you know, that way. So, but we, the text doesn't say... The text tells us that she comes to that place and obviously the other ladies do not see her as, as a friend of them and, and, and with their own husbands because they, she comes at 12 o'clock noon and uh, you know, kind of a hard uh, sun. And another interesting thing is that the, the well of Jacob in those days was because it was Jacob and you know, the patriarchs because Jacob had these two wives, Leah, she wasn't too pretty, but she boy, she had a lot of kids. She, she was fruitful, if you will, for those, for those people in uh, and and that culture. To have kids is, well, Lord, the Lord has removed your reproach. And then he had a beautiful wife that he loved her. He loved her. It doesn't matter if he, she didn't give him any kids. He loved Rachel. That Then in that well that this man built, there was, there was a, a, a belief, a myth, if you will, among women that if you will drink the water from Jacob's well, well, you, you, you will look better. Uh, you would not be 50s, 60s. So you, you, you kind of shave off some of the years of your, your looks. Uh, you will have, if you don't have kids, you might have kids like Leah. If you're, not, if you're not pretty, then, well, you still could get a husband. And if you're pretty, then you will get a husband like, 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 like uh, Jacob. And you will have kids eventually. So the Bible tells me that she, this woman, comes to that well. And this woman is so enamored. She's romantically enamored with the happiness to her life includes and needs a man and me and needs a relationship with somebody and the Bible says that when she comes he was well, she is married five times and now she's given up marriage and she but she still needs a man and she then is living with a guy and the Bible is reminding us that Jesus had to go through some because in the lives that we live, in those ghettos that we see, where we see women becoming pregnant and they're not married, kids out of wedlock, and we see people that are not don't hold our values, traditional values of marriage, when they don't hold what it ought to be, and you remain faithful to your wife from the beginning till the end. When you when you mess up life, or life gives you this this problems that your your husband and your wife breaks up your your dreams. That Jesus still says to this woman, after he has said, go and call your husband, what actually the Lord has said to her, the first thing is, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask him, and I would have given you at that point, without getting to the point of how many husbands you had, without getting to the point of confessing, without getting to the point of what you recognize that your life really needs Jesus, without getting to that point, Jesus will be willing to give you, the life, the water of life. And then finally, when religious practice and beliefs have no answer for society, Jesus comes to that place, to that town. So if there is a town where, where people are, are fighting among people, if there is a town where, where the, the, the men and the women, their, their issues about transgender and, and, and gender uh, 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 dynamics, when you come to a ta- if there is a town where personal choices have ended up in, in dead-end lifestyles that destroys the family, and when you go to a town where religious practices do not fill the answers of people's lives, like the Lord said when Jesus says when uh, He says, you know, my temple and your temple, what, which, how do we worship here? And the Lord says, you know, uh, there there is a time, and I am the time that I give to you true true worshipers of God. In other words, what people need in those uh, 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 neighborhoods is not another necessarily church, another another steeple. What they need is the church, the real church, to go into those communities and to have the answers in Jesus Christ that answer their questions. Uh, is there today a time like this? Uh, is society failing to reconcile black and white, Hispanic, and other people? You know, as I, as I, you know, everybody would say. You know, we started with a, with a precedent president, that people would think, well, all, all the racial things will be fixed. And yet, you know, at this point, I, from my perspective and the channels, is looking at TV is like those things are worse today. And, and, and when we think of, of uh, are there more issues between male and female, we think that, that that thing was taken care of a long time ago. It's not taken care of. It continues to, to fester. And are there personal choices that people are making that are not bringing wholeness to these people's lives? Is there religious practices that the people have that at the end don't answer the questions? Let me just uh, finish by saying he... He had to go through Samaria. So I remind you the missions today and your call today is not to go to places where you want to go, but to places that need you to be there. And the discernment and the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the of what, what is the place that I need to go is exactly everything broken, everything messed up. That's the place that we need to think of going. Missions today is not based on right conditions and resources and the right situations. Missions today is based upon the need that these people have. And missions today is in spite of what everyone else is doing. So the disciples went to eat. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Samaritans didn't want to talk. The woman didn't want to talk to the the man. There's a bunch of uh, issues. But in spite of what everybody else would do to fix those things, missions calls us that in the middle of these situations, you and I, our faith will fire up again. Our, our desire, our God, the knowledge of God is intricately connected to the, the, the not ma- making him known to others and to others not like myself, but to others uh, completely different than myself. And Jesus then reminds us that that ultimately what Jesus is doing here in John chapter 4 is giving us an illustration of what we need to have in order to believe that he is the Son of God. Now, John chapter 20 finishes the purpose of that book of John's gospel, is that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So all these miracles, these signs that Jesus did, seven of them that you may believe. But it's not only the signs, but the whole book not only the conversation that Jesus had with a woman but the fact that he had a conversation and he went to that place that is there so that you may believe that you would know him and that believing in somebody like that and trusting in somebody like that who came to you as being enemies of God that as we flesh out that in our lives that you may have life in his name Father thank you for reminding us again of, uh, of this necessity, this compulsion, this divine uh, uh, sense in our hearts that, that we will feel guilty when people would think about or speak about sharing the gospel. And that guilt is part, it's not of you, but that guilt is also a reminder that you are the God. You are the Lord, who when came, when came to this world, you did find, find a person in the worst place and with a worst lifestyle in order to communicate who you were. The, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed not only for me, but for people who are not like me. And I give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name.